Hello and welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. And if you are listening to the podcast because you missed us live, you can also send us your questions on Facebook or Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle that is at SWAT Radio Talk. Well, today is Monday and over the weekend. Wait, it's not just Monday. It's March 1st. Is that incredible? Yeah. Man, we've already knocked out like two, two months. months. Yeah. That's crazy. Hey, uh, it's Doug McCary. Welcome to the radio program that you get to hear me and Taylor kind of trying to waddle through <laughs> scripture and waddle through uh, current events. And uh, usually this part of the program, we talk about what's going on out in the news and things people say and how we respond as believers. You know, uh, Taylor, sometimes people join the radio program either in Virginia, Mississippi, out west through the, you know, through streaming truckers, mm-hmm. you know, we, we are able to, because of a grant, get to um, kind of send out info about SWAT radio through um, Google and other things. Mm-hmm. And um, so we have truckers that listen to us and stuff. And we forget sometimes people don't know what SWAT stands for. They don't know what the mission is. And uh, what is that? What is Steve saying? Our producer there? 19 days till spring. Yeah, 19 days till spring. Crazy. Uh, yeah, it's so good to have Steve back. Steve Dinah back in the studio with us, our producer. Uh, he was out for a while, and Tom did a great job, but uh, we miss Steve, so we're glad Stevie's back with us. Uh, but anyway, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And our mission is to get God's truth out in very practical and relevant ways because i don't know about you when you were young or or a lot of times when we were when i was growing up i would hear god's truth and i didn't have people explain the relevancy to my life my Mm -hmm. daily life or how you know what do you do in this situation or how do you respond to this with the biblical um with a biblical perspective. And, you know, I, I know we, we've talked about the election. We've talked about, um, you know, we've talked about uh, the virus. We've talked about a lot of things in current events. But there is a, a looming threat. And we're not going to get into it today or this week. But if you people who are listening to this program, either live or by podcast, are not familiar with critical race theory and what is being now pretty much mandated throughout government training and will probably more than likely be in the educational system i just saw a a headline big tech is starting to push that in uh in the way that they they give results to people and stuff like that yeah and so critical race theory we we, one of our guests daryl harrison we've had him on a couple times with his friend virgil from omaha they do a a podcast called just thinking and I'm trying to get them on next week 
because they just released a podcast uh, that really deals with the history of critical theory, which critical race theory is a subset mm-hmm. of that. And it, it has its roots in Marxism, communism. The people that are really behind it are atheists. I mean, the, the founders of that, that uh, ideology. And it's really important that we as believers understand you know, what's behind that? Because, well, you know, Taylor and I use the word woke sometimes because that that just means you you become aware that there's a problem, whether it's white privilege or whatever it is. But this critical race theory um, coined by uh, or not coined by Virgil, but spoken to by Virgil last week on the podcast He, he says it's an alternative gospel. It's mm-hmm. it's basically a, an idol. And after listening to them explain, I think he's right. And I'm going to try to get them on next week to talk about that. But, you know, I talked about Max Lucado a couple of weeks ago back and down. I read something today that really disturbed me by another guy who's always been fairly biblical in his responses. But I just want to read this to you, Taylor. I don't even think you've – you usually send stuff like this to me when you find it. But – uh, you know, many times in the past, we've uh, we've talked about uh, Jim Dennison because he puts out a briefing. And uh, I really, if you get his briefing because you heard us say it, I, I would encourage you to write him about this particular one because it really bothered me what he said. And I want you to think about it. I think it was one of those things. You know, when you have a, a ministry to a lot of people, either through blog, mm-hmm. podcast, or radio, I do this, you know, there's times that you say things that you have to apologize for because they just kind of come out and they right. sound good when you say them, but you you don't realize the impact that it could have. And I, this is this was in his, you know, his uh, blog this morning. And I just want to read what it says. Um, and wouldn't you know it uh, right now? Um, it's a problem with the Internet, but it's <laughs> coming. But uh, I'm just switching over. Sorry about that technical difficulty. Well, but, while it's switching over, um, just to let the people know, the Just Thinking po- podcast, it was episode 108. If you listen to podcasts and you like, um, uh, you know, long-form conversations, it, it ends up being a, like a three-hour podcast. You can go and uh, and give it a listen before. Hopefully, we get them on uh, next week. Well, this, this may generate some calls, and I'm happy to take calls. I, w- I would love uh, for you to call if, if you want to respond to this. Whether you're in Virginia, Mississippi, Florida, Georgia, uh, out west, it doesn't matter. Uh, but he's from the Texas area, and he says, you know, um, there's a story that received only local coverage in my area, but deserves our attention. When winter storms devastated our state recently, a First United Methodist Church of Denton started a GoFundMe campaign to help the Islamic Society of Denton pay to repair its mosque. This is just one expression of what a minister at the church calls a long-standing friendship with the mosque. Did the church's action endorse a religion that expressly rejects the Trinity and deity of Jesus? Did it send a signal of doctrinal compromise and unbiblical tolerance? Or did it build a relational bridge across which the gospel can travel, bringing the good news of Jesus' love to Muslims in our region? 
I do not know the Denton Church, but I'm confident that the third option is true. If so, these believers are following in the steps of Jesus with a Samaritan woman at the well, Paul with Greek philosophers, and a host of other biblical and historical examples. This lesson is simple and profound. To win people to Jesus, we must love and serve them where they are, not where we wish them to be. Now, that sounds great. That sounds very loving, and and that captivates people with this love of Jesus that, uh, that you know, we you know we're just reaching out but did you notice what was said there and i i had two problems with what what he said first of all uh i think the the bible is uh, got a problem mm-hmm. with what he says because could you imagine in any stretch of imagination that uh the apostle paul would help rebuild an idol mm-hmm. in greece or in corinth uh, would he rebuild the temple of Diana? No, I don't think he yeah. would. He wouldn't. He 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 might love somebody that goes to that temple, mm-hmm. and he would certainly help them if they were hungry. But I can't, in all my imagination, get around him actually contributing to help build the temple. Yeah, I, I mean, do you do you see the problem with that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I I mean could. Let's just take it away from the mosque for a second. When I'm in India, there's a six-story snake god temple over there. It's literally six stories high, and it's a man with cobras coming out of his head. Mm. Now, what's the difference between helping them build that and helping them build a mosque? Yeah. Is there any difference? No. So so I, I, I don't think he would do that. Because you know that he, he would go, that's extreme. We're just reaching out, but but he's also saying in here, and this is the other thing as we've been looking at, pragmatism is is not necessary with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's not our job to convert people. To it's not even our job to make sure everything's just right. It's our job to be faithful and loving, uh, and we can be loving for people, but I certainly don't agree with building up a mosque. Well, you know, specifically when you're talking about a mosque, uh, you could use exactly what he said to um, rationalize why you should pay the jizya to, uh, you know, which if, if you don't know what that is, that's what uh, it's either submit or die. That's the Muslim creed, you know, going back through uh, throughout history, kind of when they would come in and conquer places, uh, they would demand that you either convert or uh, pay the jizya, which is a, a tax, which by paying that tax, you are saying that, you know, Islam is supreme over your God. So it's basically like converting anyway, depending on, you know, that's how some people see it. But you could, he could make that exact same argument, use exactly what he said, you know, it, to justify, to rationalize paying the jizya. And the second thing is where, when you give your money, um, that, that can be a form of worship, you know what I mean? So for the church to give money to building a mosque, that's I that I just for me I, that, I, that that doesn't fly. Well, well, no, I just think there's all sorts of problems, and so if you are listening and if you uh, subscribe uh, to uh, his daily article, you can go to denisonforum dot org, d e n i s o n f o r u m dot org, and please look at it, read it, and then. Uh, encourage him maybe to retract that because I, I certainly think he's that's that's 
supporting idolatry when we endorse something like that. All right, we are up against the break. We will be back with more. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. Red Letters by David Crowder. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us, just before the break, we were uh, talking a little bit about the news, uh, I guess, in I can't, not really like national news. It's more uh, having to do with the, the church. And we were talking about uh, an article that uh, was on a Jim, De- on Jim, Dennison. Jim Dennison's yeah. blog talking about... Um, a church giving money to a mosque and how he said that that uh, you, you have to meet people where they're at. And I, I the uh, thing that I, we didn't get to before the break was he's talking about meeting people where they're at and that, oh, that's an act of, of love, but how that could be seen the other way from the Islamic perspective is that would be the church paying deference to Islam. I mean, I, I don't think we understand the cultural ways of viewing things that, the different religions have, and we've kind of been influenced by the idea that, you know, uh, we all pray to the same God when that's not the truth. Well, there is a, you know, there's a growing movement to have all these interfaith Mm -hmm. connections, um, you know, and, you know, the question you do get asked sometimes if you're in ministry is cooperating with a non-Christian group um acceptable you know like a a muslim or hindu group would you ever be aligned with them um you know it's one thing if you're handing out food as part of a community effort Mm -hmm. to do something like that but it's a whole nother issue if you're funding building their temple Mm -hmm. the place where they worship the idol i just think it goes to a different level. I mean, we're called to care for the needy. Um, 
But I was thinking, you know, what popped into my mind is Gideon. You know, when God mm-hmm. called Gideon to go against these pagan nations, the first thing God did is said, go destroy, go destroy their idol. Yeah. You know, and he was scared to do it. So he did it at night. And uh, I was thinking about when the ark was in the, you know, Philistines and Dagon fell over and his arms mm-hmm. fell off and his legs fell off. And, you know, um, it would be almost like going to rebuild that. Yeah. It's just kind of weird to me when I saw that. And I was like, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't want to go too far down the road, but I just think it, it came up today. I saw it. I don't know. We, because we have quoted his articles before and they've always been biblical and that's the first time it's it was kind of almost an ecumenical you know part Mm. to that i mean i know he was doing it in the name of love but he had this pragmatic kind of basis for doing it so that they will hear the gospel Mm. yeah and i think that's a big part of the whole seeker sensitive seeker driven movement uh that if we do this then that's going to give them a better chance uh, to understand the gospel because we love them. Yeah, and, you know, talking about saying that it's done in love, would it be loving to uh, give a heroin addict, buy heroin for him and give it to him, right? If, if we really believe that uh, Islam is is a false religion, why would we give them money to continue to indulge in that? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. w- w- there's a we too often say, oh, we're doing this in love, which is, you know, oh, we're just giving people what they want in love, but that is not always an act of love. Love sometimes does not seem like the super nice thing to do, but yeah. it is a loving thing to do. Yeah, I think a few questions that we can ask ourselves if we're ever confronted with something by our leaders in our church or people in our ministry, wherever, uh, even in our own life, is will our work um, together uh, – compromise biblical doctrine mm. i mean that's that's a good question don't you think if, mm-hmm. it, if you say if our efforts here is it going to compromise biblical doctrine will it if you're helping fund an idol temple a mosque yes i think it's going to compromise because you're going to you're you're basically helping build a place where false doctrine is going to go out so mm-hmm. i think that would violate that second question is um, you know, is it going to, um, hurt our Christian witness? Is it going to hurt our Christian testimony? I, I think it weakens the testimony to say that there is only one God, the one true living God, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then the third question is, are, are resources that could go to the kingdom going to help things that are opposed to the kingdom yeah and i'd say yes to all mm-hmm. three of those mm-hmm. so to me um i th- i think it's just not a great idea to do that so i got a question for you i i would imagine that the the the, the, the simple fact that it being a mosque as opposed to uh, you know a, a muslim person's house you know that was destroyed that, yeah. that makes all well, the I difference i think that makes a difference too because this is not somebody in your community that's mm-hmm. what i'm saying to give food to somebody to give uh help rebuild a muslim's house in your neighborhood because you're helping his shelter right mm-hmm. there but to to go rebuild their temple yeah their mosque 
I I, th- I think that that just goes that goes to a different place. Yeah, and I think that's maybe what was conflated there in in the the uh, blog is you know you, you want to help people, but it, it's and you know you think of doing loving things, but we got to really be uh, attentive to what we're helping people do because if we're helping people indulge in sin, um, that's not good. Yeah. Well, it, uh, I would encourage you if you're listening again and you do get the Denison forum, you, you go, let him know, send it to him. I, I'm going to send him uh, a note and say, Hey, I, I don't, um, uh, I, I think this is maybe stepping over a line. I would ask you to step back and really reevaluate, um, one, not only because of your influence, because you've been considered a teacher and a minister for so long you got a lot of people that listen to you. Well, uh, this week, Taylor, we are in an exciting um, part of Acts. Of course, it's not like it hadn't been exciting already with the tongues and the languages and the, the, you know, the pouring out of the Spirit, the preaching of Peter, the first message, 3,000 people responding. But this week, we're in Acts 3, 1 through 11. And, you know, there's... There's no greater joy, I think, for a rabbi than to see his disciple doing what he does. And in this passage, um, Peter and John encounter a man, and they get to, to be an instrument that is used to heal this guy who has been lame from birth. Now, I don't know about you, but when I see people in need and and they have a, a physical illness or they have some kind of thing. My, my instinct is to want to help them. And it's a great feeling to see the encouragement and the, the response when, when you're able to help somebody who may be in a bad way. A lot of the things I get to help people with are from temporary setbacks. Mm -hmm. This guy had been lame for 40 years. I mean, can you even imagine what that must've been like? You and I've had the benefit of our, our legs to walk, Mm-hmm. to be able to run, to leap and do all kinds of things. This guy was lame from birth. And Acts 3, 1 through 11 shows one body doing ministry in his name. And Peter's public ministry of preaching now is moving into a personal arena of one-on-one, or really two-on-one, him and John. Um, and it, they're going back to the temple and the church is emulating the rabbi, the master, the Messiah, the the king, the prophet, the priest. And what's so amazing about this particular story is we see a creative miracle happen through the church and the apostles specifically that validated them as messengers of Messiah. And now, today, just to, to go into our culture, and I know we have a lot of different churches represented by listeners, and I, I, I want to warn you that uh, probably if um, if you believe healing is for you and for us today, and, and God gave healing for his people, um, the, the primary purpose of healing is not for our health. I mean, that's not the primary concern of, of God giving gifts of healing to the church. And we're going to see that this week. And I hope you will hang in there and not just 
turn it off because you hear mm-hmm. something that you don't like or something that bothers you because what uh, I learned this week, and there were several things that I was confronted with in my own belief about healings and different passages in the Bible, and I I just hope you'll hang in there with us. But supernatural signs were worked through the apostles to validate them as true teachers representing Messiah as being from God because Messiah was prophesied. He was going to be God's anointed one. He would be a prophet, priest, and king. He would deliver the people. And, you know, even back in John chapter three, when Nicodemus approached uh, Jesus and he said, I think in John three, two, he, he said, I know you've come from God because nobody can do the works Mm. that you do unless they're from God. Right. And so what he's saying there is supernatural signs were associated with Messiah. They expected that from the prophecies. And now we see the apostles about to do the same thing Jesus did in John chapter 5 where he healed a lame man who was lame for 38 years in the temple. Now we're about to see Peter and John do the exact same thing. So what do you think those people in the temple would have thought of? Because Jesus had done it not that long ago. Yeah, they would have made the connection. Yeah, they would have the gone, yeah. okay, these men are saying Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. He healed a lame man, and now they've just healed a lame man. So, yeah, they would say they obviously have the authority of God and the anointing of God also. And that's why we see these supernatural signs in the book of Acts. And so when we work through this, I hope you'll hang in there with us to see that there there were unique things that the apostles did that were not normative for everyone else. And we're going to look at that this week as we look through Acts 3, 1 through 11. So if you're at home, grab your Bible. If you're in the car, just listen and enjoy. And uh, we'll be back, uh, I guess, Taylor, in a few, huh? Yeah, we'll be back after the news. We're up against the news break. Uh, We'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Ace Door and Window, as well as a special thanks to our sponsors, Tom Neal Trucking, and a special thanks to our sponsor, Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at at Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug at SWATradio.com. We'd also like to give a shout out to our listeners listening in Virginia at the Lighthouse, as well as in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER. And a shout out to all you listeners listening here locally, 91.7 in Jacksonville, 91.9 in St. Augustine, and 91.3 in folks in Georgia. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. SWAT Radio. That was David Crowder with All My Hope. If you are just joining us, we are talking about Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 11 this week. And if you missed any of that, you could go uh, to www.swatradio.com. Excuse me, I should say 
If you missed anything that we talked about in the first half of the program, you can go to www.swatradio.com and you can go to our past programs link and you can listen to any program that we've had in, in about an hour. You'll be able to listen to the, this full program as well. Again, that's www.swatradio.com or you can uh, listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio wherever you uh, listen to your podcast, and you can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. Well, thank you, Taylor. Uh, you know, talking about Acts 3, 1 through 11, uh, I dare say that everyone listening um, has probably heard some false teacher, some TV preacher, somebody make a false claim about healing uh, from an unbiblical perspective or a out-of-context biblical passage. And, uh, you know, as we, we look at the Bible, the Bible uh, for us is our authority on doctrine. And doctrine is important. It's very important. And so if people are not preaching good doctrine and good theology, it does, you know, they can easily captivate people with emotions. If you merely went by your emotions, it would be easy to be deceived. And that's what happens a lot of times. People so want to be healed. They so want a loved one to be healed. They, they want to go into here. And listen, I'm not saying God doesn't heal. So please hear this. God can and does heal people. But the gifts of healing are not normative for people today the way they were then that that back then there was a normative aspect to apostles having a gift of healing that authenticated their um their authority and their authenticity being from messiah and it wasn't just the apostles in acts prior to acts you saw gifts of healing that were bestowed on the 72 when they went out empowered by Mm -hmm. Jesus and Luke, they went out and he sent them out two by two. They went out, they healed people. They cast demons out of people, which would heal people, Mm -hmm. right? Because sometimes demonic spirits made people mute Mm -hmm. or they afflicted people, Mm -hmm. right? And we're going to look at that particular text. But what I would like for people to consider, because it's the same way it is, whether it's critical race theory or whether it is about other issues in our culture, if you hear stuff long enough, remember like I talked about the cockroach in your mind, if you hear a lie long enough, it just still stays in there and mm-hmm. you start it starts to influence you. The same thing. A lot of people have been influenced to think that healing, the gifts of healing, not healing by God, but gifts of healing are normative today. And that has not been the case. It wasn't the case in Scripture. In fact, every time that somebody healed somebody in Acts, it was with it was with a uh, an apostle there. Mm. If it, it, Either an apostle did it or the apostle was there. And so... When we look at this text today, in fact, Paul, you know, Paul over in Second uh, Corinthians 12, he, uh, I think I'm cracking a little bit. Are you hearing a crack too when I talk? Maybe it's just my thing. Uh, in Second Corinthians 12, 12, 
Paul is making an argument that he's an apostle? Mm-hmm. And did I not do the signs of an apostle? Mm. And so people today claim to be an apostle, but there were 13 apostles. Yeah. There were the 12. There was 11, you know, uh, Judas was not on the scene. They got Matthias. He came in and was an apostle. And then you had Paul as an apostle. And there were very specific, unique qualifications to be an apostle. And we covered those a few weeks ago. And so God used healing to authenticate his messengers. And there were no healings referred to in any New Testament church letter, except in James, when James wrote, he talked about the elders to lay hands on and pray for the sick. And we're going to look at that specifically in context because I think a lot of people have taken that out of context as Mm -hmm. they use that. But uh, again, no occasion occurred in the book of Acts of healing without an apostle present. One One of the 12 there or Paul. Healing was not a gift for believers to make them better. It was a sign to point unbelievers to Jesus, to authenticate his messengers. And and you ask why? Well, why did he do that with them and not us? Well, you got to remember what experience of the church people knew of they were seeing had never been recorded that they only had the Old Testament scriptures. They had it prophesied, but remember, it was a mystery to the mm-hmm. prophets. It was a mystery to God's saints in the Old Testament. And the New Testament letters hadn't been written yet. And so they they were, they were sitting there uh, going out in his name under the power of the Spirit. So how were listeners to validate if these people really were of Messiah? Today we have God's word mm-hmm. that they can look at and see, is what this person's saying measuring up to the New Testament right written letters that mm-hmm. explain Jesus um, of the Old Testament and all the Messiah uh, prophecies in the Old Testament? And, and so that's how God authenticated his messengers before the completed canon. He validated them with miracles. And, and I just want to take you back to the Old Testament for a second. In Exodus chapter 4, Moses, when he was called by God to go to Pharaoh, he said, how are they going to know I'm from you? How are they going to know that I represent you? And what did God say? Moses, take your stick and throw it down. And it became a snake. Mm-hmm. That That's pretty wild, isn't it? I yeah. mean, you stop and think about it. Have you known anybody today to do that? Mm-hmm. No. I've never met anybody that, I mean, a magician can do sleight of hand, but I mean, literally take a stick. It wasn't a a magic trick. It was real. A stick became a snake because God made it happen. And, you know, we had Costi Hinn on a couple of years ago, who is Benny Hinn's nephew. And he talked about how a lot of these faith healers, specifically his uncle, screened people Mm. that would come up on the stage mm. why would he scream and he would he was puzzled by that and he's going that's why he eventually came out of that because he goes it just it bothered me that we're screening people to you know come up on the stage that people that had really really rare severe uh illnesses and severe uh, medical conditions uh, they they kind of push them to the back mm. because they they had people come up 
that had back pain, neck pain, mm. had different things happen. Then, and not saying again that God doesn't heal, but the gift of healing has been demonstrated by some people today. You would think we were living during the time of uh, the Israelites coming out of uh, Egypt. There's so many miracles mm-hmm. happening. And God used miracles not for the people. It was for a sign to yeah. unbelievers, at least in Acts with his apostles. And so he validated these messengers, and Peter ends up doing the same miracle that Jesus did back in John chapter 5 here in Acts chapter 3. And here's what I want to make a, a, a quick note about. In both cases, in John 5 and in Acts 3, neither man asked to be healed. Hmm. They didn't come seeking healing. Yeah. The man in five wanted healing, but when Jesus said, hey, do you want to be healed? you know what he said? He said, I ain't got anybody to put me in the water. <laughs> he wasn't looking to Jesus to heal him. Yeah. He wasn't looking at Jesus as Messiah. But did Jesus heal him? Yes. Why? Because it was a sovereign act of God, not for that man. It was for unbelievers. It was to testify he was Messiah. And I'm not even sure the guy in John 5 is a believer the way he responded, and we see, because it's very different, the guy in Acts 3. The guy in Acts 3, I believe he's a believer based upon his actions and what happened after that. But in Acts 3, you know what the guy said? He didn't ask to be healed. He asked for money. Mm. He said, you you know, I, I, I'm, give me some alms. Give me some. That's yeah. money. And what did Peter say? I don't have any silver and gold. We're going to read that. Um, I don't know. Have you got time to read it, you think? How much time we got, Steve, for the break? We got two minutes two and a half minutes yeah i think you can read it one through twelve all right now peter and john were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer the ninth hour and a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple seeing peter and john about to go into the temple he asked to receive alms and peter directed his gaze at him as did john and said look at us and he fixed his attention on them expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, raise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And That's good. Right. That's good right there. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing story. And in this, we see God, God authenticating his word about Messiah with his people, with his power, and for his glory. And when we come back, I mean, if people want to call, they can, but when we come back, I want to look at his people. God used his people to authenticate his word about Messiah because, remember, what had just happened in chapter 2? Peter preached. Mm -hmm. Everybody at the temple, 3,000 people knew Peter represented Jesus of Nazareth. And so now he and John are coming back, and we're going to see how God authenticates his word about Messiah with his people in community in verse 1. And then tomorrow we're going to look at how he does it with his power. And then uh, Wednesday we're going to talk about 
for his glory, the purpose in healing. And I hope you'll stay with us uh, to, to really look at this text. Yep. Stick with us. We will be back with more after the break. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong. At the end of the line, will all the other not quite? Will all the never get it right? That is Nobody by Casting Crowns. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 11 this week. I just read through um, that uh, passage in Scripture, and we are going to continue talking about it. But if you have any questions or would like to join the discussions, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. Well, in verse 1, Taylor, really just taking the first part of verse 1, it says Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. They were going up to the temple. You go, why would they go up to the temple? They don't need to go to the temple anymore. But if you stop and think about the temple, that is the place where they could gather everybody mm-hmm. to teach, right? Because on the on the steps, the southern steps is where it was called a rabbi's teaching steps. That's where a lot of rabbis would teach. And if you think about 3,000 people now gathering to hear from the leaders of the church, uh, that's one of the places they could do it. But they, they were there during the hour of prayer. It was the afternoon hour of prayer, which was the ninth hour. It was also about three in the afternoon. And that's when they did the, the evening sacrifice. Mm. So they were going up there during that time. And I find it interesting. It doesn't say all of the apostles were going up. Yeah. It just says Peter and John. Mm-hmm. But they were going up there. I believe they were going up there to to uh, to witness, yeah. not just to teach, but also to witness because there was a large crowd. Because obviously what happens um, when Peter heals a guy, it's like an introduction from God. 
It's just this supernatural event happens and everybody comes running again, mm-hmm. like it happened on Pentecost. So when you see this, you got to think about it for a second. Peter and John were like the dynamic duo. I mean, they were always together. Back in Luke chapter 22, Jesus had sent them to prepare for Passover, Peter and John. And over in uh, John chapter 20, when they heard about uh, Jesus' resurrection, who ran to the temple? Peter and John. Mm-hmm. John outran him because he was younger, uh, but uh, he he beat him there. And so they they were going as God's people. So God authenticates his word about Messiah, first of all, with his people, right? It's his people uh, that, that in community. So Peter and John are together. They're not lone rangers here. Yeah. In fact, over in Acts chapter 8, when it, word got back to the, the believers, the church, that the Samaritans had believed in Jesus, they sent Peter and John there. So there was an accountability there, and unfortunately, in our culture today, a lot of a lot of times, leaders, Christian leaders, pastors, insulate themselves from community with accountability. Mm-hmm. And and Peter and John were there together in community to authenticate the word about Messiah. That's what God was using because in Romans ten it says, "Hey, how are they going to hear if nobody goes to preach? You're not gonna." understand who messiah is if the word isn't preached and so acts 1 uh verse 8 jesus said you're going to be my witnesses and that's exactly they're going to the temple because it's the hour of sacrifice they were going to pray and guess what god did he brought them into contact with a guy who was being carried in at that exact moment who had been lame from birth And God used his people to authenticate his word. And a lot of times people think, well, you know, let's just put a video together. Let's just do a blog together. Listen, blogs and videos, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a radio broadcast. Mm -hmm. But for most of you listeners out there, you don't know me. You don't know Taylor. Um, It's interesting. My wife and I were watching... uh, a news program the other night and there was this guy on there i mean great looking guy as far as like articulate carried himself well Mm -hmm. seemed very sharp and and i'm not judging him for what he did but he carried himself in such a way had a impressive background in the military found out he had been very involved in politics and it just was very articulate and then did a little research and found out he had made some bad choices that Mm. disqualified him from his political ambition, Mm. cost him. But you would never know that if you only saw what he presented on the television, right? Mm -hmm. But when you see people in person and you get to know them, that's why Jesus didn't say, listen to me. He said, follow me. He said, come be with me. And in in the Jewish culture, to be someone's disciple, you went with them. I mean, like, you followed them. You walked in their dust. You yeah. saw how did they interact with people? How did they handle adversity? How did they handle hard times? That's why for our culture it's very difficult if somebody just gets in front once a week and preaches to you and you never get to observe them 
you don't get to know who they are. You get disillusioned when they end up falling. Yeah. And it's and and because we've created celebrity pastors who give us information without a life to authenticate that. But with Peter and John and the apostles, they were walking among the people. They were going where the people were. People saw them out in the community. They saw what they did. They interacted with them. And, and God authenticates his word about Messiah with his people. He uses his people. And, and you know, one of the things I want to say over in Luke chapter 10, um, in Luke chapter 10, when he sends out the 72, uh, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I want to flip over there just for a second because I think this is a really important point for us to consider in Luke 10. Now, in verse 16, I'm sorry, going down to verse 13, He's talking to Chorazin and Bethsaida. He said, if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they they would have repented long ago. Now, he had sent out the 72, right? He had sent them out to do these mighty works. Then he's rebuking Chorazin and he's rebuking Bethsaida because all these mighty works are taking place in Galilee and these people aren't responding. Well, in verse 16, notice what he says. The one who hears you hears me. The one who rejects you rejects me. The one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Why is Jesus authenticating his messengers with mighty works? Because who do they represent? Him. They represent him. Mm -hmm. Had he done mighty works? Yeah, he had turned water into wine. He had healed people. And so... He authenticated his people here with mighty works so that people made a a point to connect the two. But notice what happens. Those 72 most likely would have been down in Jerusalem for the temple feast, right? Most likely they would have been there during the the 3,000 people coming in. Mm -hmm. Most likely they would have been there uh, at around the same time. But notice what it said in chapter 2 and even in chapter 3. Who did the mighty works? Who did the miracles? The apostles. Not the people who actually had done them before. Mm -hmm. So imagine for a second, Jesus sends you out. You go, you cast out demons, and you're like, wow, this is incredible. And they did say that, right? They were were impressed with what they were able to do. Mm -hmm. If you don't believe me, listen to what it says in Luke uh, 17 they returned with joy saying lord even the demons are subject to us in your name notice they didn't say even the demons are subject to you mm. they said even the demons are subject to us in your name and he said to them i saw satan fall like lightning from heaven why did he throw that in there to remind him who he was yeah and to remind them, what was Satan's downfall? Pride. Yeah. And look at what he says. He says, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this. Mm. He says that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In other words, 
What should blow you away is that I redeemed you. Not that you can go do these things. And what was the big battle of the disciples, Peter and John and James and everybody else while they were walking with Jesus before the crucifixion? Who's going to sit on God's right hand? Who's going to be the best, man? Who's the big cheese? Mm -hmm. Who's it? But notice, when they went here, Peter and John went together, and and it makes several statements in here. It says, um, it says in verse uh, three, I'm sorry, uh, verse four, when Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and they said, "Look, not at me, look at us." You see the collectiveness of that. Mm-hmm. And by the way, this isn't socialism. This is community. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between community and socialism. And he fixed his attention on who? On them. Notice the community. It's not about Peter. It's not about John. It's about Messiah. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're doing with his people. That's the big tragedy in our culture when so many people refer to God's servants as the ones that changed their life. It's not the people. It's Messiah. He works through his people. And... Uh, When we come back tomorrow, we're going to look at that. But I want you to remember what he said. You know, don't rejoice in this. And and those people, they weren't doing miracles over in Acts chapter 1. It was the apostles. Why? Because that was their function in the body. And when we come back tomorrow, we're going to get further into that. Yeah. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for today. So we hope that you uh, stick with us and come back tomorrow so that we can Uh, talk about more and maybe you'll call in tomorrow and uh, we'll have a good conversation Um, but you have been listening to SWAT radio if you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs please visit www.swatradio.com that's www.swatradio.com or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT radio you can also download our SWAT app in the app store and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SWAT radio talk is the handle that is at SWAT radio talk Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more SWAT Radio. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Have a nice day. If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spirit.